Welcome back to the Locked On Diamondbacks Podcast. You're part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day listening to who? The always charismatic host of this podcast, Miller Thomas. I'm a multimedia journalist and I'm a graphic designer, so please go check out my website, MillerThomas24.myportfolio.com. On there, you can see all my latest work from my packages to my articles to my photos and my graphic design for today's show. We got Vince Imperio, co-host of the Lockdown Dodgers on the pod, because it's his turn to take a seat in the therapy chair. We were discussing the Dodgers postseason run. Why did it fall short? What about the pitching game plan? Why did they put such a workload on their frontline starters? Where did the offense go? So we have so much to discuss. But if you want more content from me, follow me on Twitter at CreatorThomas24 for my personal account. Or just look up Locked on Dimebacks on both Twitter and Instagram for the podcast handle. And once again, thank you for making Locked on Dimebacks your first listen every day. This podcast is not possible without you. So thank you for listening, subscribing, and reviewing, and sharing. But enough with the compliments. D-backs intro drop. You are locked on Diamondbacks. Your daily Arizona Diamondbacks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, Locked On listeners, back on the pod once again because it's now his turn to sit in the therapy chair. We've had Yuli Sombrano of Locked On Rays in the chair. We've had Ben Caspic of Locked On Giants in the chair. But now it's time for Locked On Dodgers co-host Vince Amperio. Time to put him in the chair. Vince, how are you doing today, sir? I'm doing all right. Uh, you know, could 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 be two games into a World Series for the Dodgers, but unfortunately we're not. Uh, so I'm ready to, you know, sit in this chair and see what we got, see what we got cooking. Hey, that's okay. You're like me now. We're both yeah. on the couch. <laughs> There's no more stress. So we're just enjoying the baseball playoffs. And that's kind of a good question to ask you. I mean, the Dodgers have been in like the last like 10 World Series. Like, how does it feel to actually the to to see the baseball season not over yet, but the season actually be over for the Dodgers? Yeah, it's different, obviously. Um, and, you know, 2019, they lost in the NLDS. So you kind of had like another week and a half before the World Series started. So by the time the World Series got there, like, oh, all right, you know, I'll watch the World Series. Where here, it's just it happened right after. Uh, and then you got the, the World Series started up a couple of days after the season ended. And then you got the Braves, who just beat you. And then you got the Astros, who, as Dodger fans, we're not big fans of. Uh, so yeah, it's a little bit different. Um, you know, as for me personally, I, I still have to work cause I'm in, you know, baseball, social media stuff. So I'm f- kind of forced to watch the games. Um, whereas if it wasn't for that reason, I probably would still watch the games as long as I didn't plan something else where now I kind of have to watch the games. So it's a little bit different. Yeah. That was kind of my question. Yeah. Take, taking your job out of it. If the Dodgers weren't in the world they're not in the world series so is the world series still appointment television for you or is it like hey if my friends hit me up and they want to go to a party or something now might be a little bit more indifferent to missing you know game two of the world series yeah that's that's kind of how it is if it was late you know once we get to clinching games i think any other year and even if dodgers aren't in it i'm watching for sure uh earlier in the series if I have something else planned, you know, it's always around Halloween time, too. So there's always, you know, different festivities and mm-hmm. things to do. So, yeah, if somebody yesterday actually did something after the World Series game. So it kind of worked out. But, uh, yeah, if it was early in the series, I probably would would 
watch if I'm home, but wouldn't force myself to stay home. Okay, that makes sense. And just for me, like I'm going to be watching the World Series, but it definitely would be a lot more appointment television if the D-backs were there. And uh, I think it would be pretty crazy if the D-backs made the World Series anytime soon. So we'll see what happens there. But let's talk about the Dodgers postseason run because it, it came a little short. It came shorter than expected, at, especially seeing the just the amount of talent in their lineup. I mean, Hall of Famers galore. You traded for two more Hall of Famers at the deadline. Like, does the fact that this team didn't make the World Series, do you feel like there's a nasty taste in your mouth? Or like, this team is going to be back there next season. We've been there so many in the past. I'm okay with not making it to the World Series one year out of the, you know, the last 10. It's a little bit interesting this year because there's so many free agents and question marks now. Um, and then also, like you said, with the team that they have, the talent that they had, it does leave a nasty taste in your mouth. And, I talked about this on, on Locked on Dodgers a little bit, just how the Braves outplayed the Dodgers. So I don't feel like, you know, there wasn't like any regrets or like, damn, the Dodgers, you know, game two when they brought in Julio might have been the biggest thing that people could could point to to kind of that maybe flip the series. Uh, but at the end of the day, you know, the Dodgers score a couple extra runs here and there, which they're more than capable of doing. Then, then the series goes deeper or even goes to game seven and who knows what happens there. So uh, just the collection of talent not really working now. Max Muncy getting hurt on the last day of the season. And a lot of the talk around the Braves and the Dodgers was was injuries. And, you know, Braves fans are quick to mention that, you know, Mike Soroka and Ronald Acuna Jr., which is, is completely justified and, and right. But they they didn't lose them the last weekend of the season. The Dodgers lost Clayton Kershaw and Max Muncy the last weekend of the season. You can't make any trades at that point. You can't, you know, you have to have either somebody in-house or a minor leaguer that's going to come up and unproven. So it's a little bit of different in, in, the, in those ways. Uh, so, yeah, you, you think about it, bad taste in your mouth. Is a good, I mean, they're still going to be a good team. But anytime you have this type of team and you are right there in position to make the World Series, it, it's, it's going to hurt a little bit. Yeah, it's definitely going to sting a little bit for Dodgers fans, but I'm not, I don't think I'm going to shed any tears for the injuries. <laughs> I mean, still having Scherzer and Julio Urias oh, yeah, yeah. backing them up, you know, still still got pretty good depth on that Dodgers lineup. But it, it, it's a good point you bring up because this Dodgers team seemed to rely heavily on their top three starters during this postseason, even bring them out, you know, the bullpen at times earlier in the series. And it, it seems like it did contribute to maybe the losses because Max Scherzer, he had arm fatigue and – a lot of the guys as the season or excuse me, as the series wore on, these guys start to break down a little bit. So why did the Dodgers seem so insistent on putting such a big workload on these frontline starters? Do you guys just not trust your bullpen that much? That's what it felt like. It felt like that they didn't trust, you know, arms. Guys like even in the NLCS, guys like Justin Brule, Evan Phillips came through in big situations, but they probably could have been used in other situations that would have, you know, helped keep the strain off off those main guys. And it, it kind of goes back last year. They they did this with the you know arm premium you know premium arms pitching was kind of the big thing, but they had more of those premium arms that could start and relieve. This year they only have three. They had Scherzer, Julio, and Bueller. Bueller being the one that didn't come out of the bullpen but did go on short rest two times. Last year they had you know Julio doing kind of a hybrid role where he would start one game and come in later in the series and, and close out a couple games. But they had guys like Dustin May who could have started, but they also kind of brought him in in, in different situations, uh, relief. And then Tony Gonsolin, who was a lot better last year than he was this year just because of injuries and, and just you know, natural progression, didn't quite progress the way he wanted maybe because of those injuries. 
So it did feel like they didn't trust the bullpen as much. The bullpen did, you know, do a lot of work. They did have to come in early a lot of times and, and cover a lot of innings. But, you know, specifically when it came down to things like that game two when they brought in Julio or even game five closing out the Giants. I do think someone else could have got the job done. I do think they overthought it maybe a little bit too much. And, uh, you know, it ended up hurting and, and you know, it's causation correlation type of conversation. But obviously the the, the Scherzer ones are straight up, you know, it happened because he pitched in game five, whereas Julio's in a little bit more. He struggled in game four. Was it because in game two? Because he came in in game two? I don't know. But the Scherzer one was directly because he had thorn fatigue. Vince and I will continue our therapy session, but this episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing number of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Save time and money when using Rock Auto. Rock Auto is a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. Go explore their easy-to-use website today to find a solution to your auto part needs. Go to rockauto.com and see all the parts available for your car truck. Wait, locked on in there. How did you hear about his box? So they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com. All right, all right, all right. Let's get back to the pod. Yeah, and I think I don't mind the strategy. I just think it depends on the kind of pitchers you have. Scherzer, just a guy like, he's just a little over the hill. Like, he's still dominant, no doubt about it. But the dude is like 40 years old. I don't think you want to put that kind of mileage on his arm, especially if you're trying to make it to the World Series. I can see in the World Series doing all the short rest things, bringing the guys out the bullpen and everything like that. But maybe it was a little bit too early, especially with a Dodgers team that felt like had depth in the rotation a Dodgers team that I felt like did have a couple solid bullpen arms I feel like they didn't have to go so early putting such a big workload on those frontline starters early in the you know in the division series in the championship series maybe later in the championship series maybe the full world series you do a game plan like that but I felt like they went to that strategy a little bit too early in the postseason which kind of came back to bite them. Do you feel like if they went with a regular rotation schedule where you went with your starters on, you know, normal four or five days rest, do you think it could have changed the outcome of the series a little bit? I mean, yeah, I think it could have. And I think they, you know, they did it last year and last year was a lot different because there was no days off in those series. So you couldn't, you know, here you have built-in days off or travel days. You can throw your two best relievers in the first two games of a series, and they're going to have a day off. And then you can throw them in the next two or three games, and then you have another day off. And and here they didn't quite have that luxury. And, and I don't know if that, you know, factored into it. Like I said, I know maybe just having premium arms was, was what they wanted. I'm not, I'm not entirely sure. Maybe, you know, maybe they didn't want to trust guys like Vesti and Bigford and Brule who were not big names and had never been in the postseason before. There's a lot of different reasons. But I do think if they would have went a little more traditional straight up, um, it might have benefited them a little more. But also on the flip side, you know, the, the offense just left them in those situations a lot because when you're a pitcher and you know, your, your team's scoring one or two runs a game, you know, you have to be try to be perfect. And when you're trying to be perfect, sometimes you don't end up being perfect or, you know, you have to bring in certain arms in, in earlier situations than you wanted to because you're kind of waiting for the offense to score in order for you to kind of, you know, maybe use a lesser arm. But those times sometimes never came and they had to keep using premium arm every single game. 
Yeah, and another reason why I can't fault them too much is just because it seems like it's a trend that most teams are doing in the postseason. The Red Sox did a bunch. We saw Nate Evaldi come out the bullpen. The The Astros have a bunch of guys like a Christian Javier or Uquidi who can come out the bullpen or start too. So I think that just – even the Rays. I mean, the Rays are probably the, the creme de la creme or like the poster boy for having starters or relievers. And you don't know which is going to be which. Are you going to start a game where a reliever? You never know with the Tampa Bay Rays. So I think this is just a bigger trend in baseball that we've seen recently for when we get to the postseason. We just want to put the biggest workload on our best pitchers and try to end these series quickly. I think these teams don't want the series to go six or seven. If they can end it in in four or five games, I think a lot of times that's what these teams and managers are trying to do. They're just trying to go with the guillotine kill shot by you know putting a huge workload on your frontline starters and using maybe two or three guys out of your bullpen. So I can't hate hate the Dodgers entirely for their pitching game plan, but their offensive game plan Uh, The offense was kind of hit and miss in the postseason. It was something you told me when we had our crossover a few weeks ago. Like, the Dodgers lineup has been kind of hit or miss all season. You throw in the Muncie injury, Turner had a hamstring injury as well. And you look up and down this lineup, that not a lot of guys produced. Mookie Betts was pretty good. Cody Bellinger, after having a terrible regular season, really picked it up in the postseason. But overall, what did you see or didn't see from this lineup? Uh, as to why they couldn't come through more in the postseason because in that championship series, they only had two games with at least five earned runs. Yeah, a lot of inconsistency for the most part, and a lot of it in the, in the upper part of the lineup, which was you know interesting because you would think that those would be the guys that would come through. But other than Mookie Betts at the top of the lineup, you had Corey Seager hit under 200 for the postseason, did have a couple of big hits and a couple of two-run home runs in the Braves series. But you know for, for the most part, last year was LCS MVP and, and World Series MVP and uh, didn't perform quite up to, to that standard. You had Trey Turner, who went from batting champion to look like he had never been on a baseball field before at some time. He did pick it up there in the last couple games of the NLCS, but a little bit too, too, too much too late. I would say Justin Turner as well. They had the, the Turners as they were, you know, mentioned, but I think collectively hit uh, under 200 or at least under 250 after Trey kind of saved himself toward the end. So those first four hitters right there weren't doing much. You had the bottom of the order, which was doing a lot with Bellinger and Chris Taylor and even AJ Pollock, who, you know, they kind of felt like the top of the lineup there in, in the later part of the of the NLCS because they were the ones that were producing. Even the game they won, the game five to send it to game six, that was, you know, Chris Taylor had three home runs. AJ Pollock had two home runs. Cody Bellinger had the big home run in, in game two of that of that series. Chris Taylor had the walk-off in the wildcard game. So those guys produced, but, you know, even Will Smith, who, who's been one, probably one of the best hitting catchers in baseball, he didn't do too much that you remembered. He had a few hits here and there, had a home run, but – you know, nothing, nothing special. They never really hit on the same day either. And when they did is when they scored runs, they had two games against the Giants where they scored over five runs they Had you know, that one game against the Braves, they scored over five runs in game five. Uh, but in the rest of the games, they were scoring two runs or less. They lost well, game one, zero in the NLC and the NLDS. They barely won the NLCS game five, two to one. I mean, they weren't putting up runs like they could have in order to help their pitching out. Vince and I will wrap up our therapy session, but we're back and better than ever. A new web interface for the start of the basketball season. More props, odds, and lines than ever before. BetOnline remains your number one spot for all the basketball and football action this season. Head to our new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 
50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code LOCKDOWN to receive your bonus from basketball, football, NHL, boxing, and UFC right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts. All right, all right, all right. Let's get back into the pod. But first, thank you for making Lockdown Dimebacks your first listen every day. This podcast is not possible without you, so thank you. But now, let's jump right into the podcast and wrap up with Vince Samperio. Yeah, it's pretty shocking to see just because of so much talent in that lineup to not see this team score more consistently, especially when you look at teams like the Astros and Red Sox, who seem to be scoring at will. Even a team like the Braves came up huge a bunch of times and in that game one of the World Series had an offensive explosion as well. So it was always kind of surprising to see the Dodgers not able to do it consistently. It was really their outfield that did it. Like you said, Chris Taylor, AJ Pollock, Cody Bellinger, Mookie Betts, like that's where pretty much all their offense came from is from the outfield. So I find that kind of interesting to see all your offensive production come from basically one area of your team. But going back to Cody Bellinger, in the postseason, he batted 353, a 906 OPS. It seems like any time the Dodgers needed a big hit, a clutch hit, it seems like Cody Bellinger was the guy to come through. Did this postseason series kind of make up for his terrible 162-game season? Because, look, if you're going to be terrible like that for a whole course of a season, I'm okay. I, I can live with that if once we get to the postseason, you're carrying my offense through every round of the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, fully erased would have been winning, the, you know, the actual World Series. But mm-hmm. for the most part, I, you know, I don't think any Dodger fans are going to remember Cody Bellinger's 2021 season. They'll remember the the game-winning hit against the Giants in Game 5. They'll remember the, the game-tying home run against the Braves in, in Game 3. They'll remember those, and they'll remember, you know, he did come through a bunch of times. He, he with two outs in the wildcard game, he's the one that drew a walk, stole second. You know, Chris Taylor ended up hitting up the walk-off after that. You know, if he didn't get on base there, Chris Taylor doesn't bat. Who knows what happens after that? So, yeah, he came through a lot. In, and I think it also gives you a little bit more confidence heading into 2022. If he had just completely struggled again and wasn't hitting at all and, and kind of was going to be forced to play because of Muncy's injury, he was either playing first base or outfield, just depending where, where they needed him. So, uh, at the very least, you get some confidence when in 2022, you know, he changed his swing a little bit in order to kind of supplement it. it. He didn't quite have the power. He did hit that one home run, but he didn't really have the power. A lot of his hits were singles in the postseason. Um, but, you know, it, the fact of the matter is he was able to find back to ball and it worked out. And maybe he can find some kind of hybrid between his old swing and this swing or whatever the case is. But the very least, it, it left you feeling good about kind of 2021 as, as a whole and, and for sure 2022. Yeah, he also had five stolen bases in the postseason, which is pretty impressive for a guy his size. But if he did struggle in the postseason, do you think the Dodgers might have started looking around under the rocks and saying, what kind of moves can we make with Cody Bellinger? Can we throw him in a trade? Do you think the postseason might have saved Bellinger's future in the Dodgers uniform? Do you feel like that was already set in stone? I personally feel like he, you know, he was going to be there regardless. I think they would give him enough of a leash because mm-hmm. of – the injury, the, the offseason shoulder surgery, and then the broken leg in the first week of the season, and then he came back, and then he had the hamstring. So, you know, he, he did have a lot of things to deal with, um, you know, maybe not to the tune of how bad he was in terms of 
you know, he had negative wharf, I think, for the entire season. But, uh, you know, it's one of those things, too, where you're not – the Dodgers don't really trade people when they're at their lowest value. And, you know, f- making a move just to, to make a move wouldn't have been the Dodgers' M.O. Would they have maybe thought of him a little differently, possibly, you know, for future purposes and, and in terms of, hey, maybe we pay Seager instead of maybe paying Bellinger down the line because we don't know what we're going to get with Bellinger. That might be something or, or you know, the case of of who they go after this offseason might have been, you know, fronted by that as well. Or, you know, Chris Taylor, Chris Taylor, do we sign Chris Taylor because we're not sure what we're going to get out of Bellinger as well. Chris Taylor's a little more consistent. So I think it, it saved a lot of things in terms of the fans eyes, but not so much in the front office eyes. I think uh, then I'm sure they're relieved that he did well in the postseason, but I, I don't think it was going to change anything for him. Yeah, I, I feel like it could have helped him just a little bit, just because there are so many dudes in this, Dodgers lineup on this Dodgers roster they are probably gonna have to pay and you guys kind of have a gluttony of outfielders I mean Chris Taylor Pollock and Mookie Betts I mean that's a pretty good outfielder right there and you, you can never put it past the Dodgers to go out there and acquire somebody else or develop an outfielder too so I wouldn't have been surprised if they moved Cody Bellinger I don't think it would have been entirely because of the season he had I think part of it would have been a business decision maybe you could just allocate that money somewhere else to help the team so I wouldn't have been surprised if they moved off of Cody Bellinger because we've seen other team like the Red Sox who had an Andrew Benintendi as a top prospect he had a good couple seasons they gave him a long leash and then when he kept struggling they decided it was time to move him so I think this did extend his leash just a little bit in case the Dodgers were wondering can this money be spent elsewhere to help better the team? Maybe they they put that question down the line, further down the line. Maybe they don't need that answer right away. But I do think Cody, Je- Cody Bellinger probably helped his future in the Dodgers uniform. That's it for this edition of the Locked on Dimebacks podcast. Thank you to everyone who tuned in today. Come back tomorrow for more Dimebacks news coverage and insight. We'll have part two of Vince Amperio, him in the therapy chair talking about the end of the Dodgers season talking about what's going to happen in the Dodgers offseason so we still got a whole bunch to talk about thank you for making Lockdown Dimebacks your first listen every day go make your second listen Lockdown MLB Prospects with Arm Layton he's a fantastic host so please go listen to that and as always stay safe and stay healthy deuces